Hey everybody, welcome back to LettermanRoad.com. I am Jeremy Birmingham. This is Talking Stuff. We are the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Buyers Automotive and LettermanRoad.com. Today we're talking about a couple of big time 2023 prospects on the Ohio State board and uh, some insight into the country's number one ranked player according to On3 Sports, Marvin Jones Jr. So we will be getting into that right now. Let's get to the show. Okay, Zach Carpenter, Spencer Holbrook are here joining me, Jeremy Birmingham, to talk stuff. Welcome, guys. How are we doing today? A oh, little, little exhausted after 10 linemen and Greg Shadrawa uh, after all those press conferences. But, you know, we're, push, we're pushing through. How, how are you feeling, Spencer? I'm great. Ready to talk a lot of recruiting. Well, not as much as we did last week for those of you out there who are shaking a fist at the sky saying, damn it, Berm, why are you guys going for 58 minutes? I mean, we're not going to do that today. And so I want this to be very clear, folks. We're hearing you. We're hearing you. We're adjusting. We're taking your tidbits, your your preferences, and we're trying to wrap them into the world's perfect little package. Uh, so what we're going to do is try to make two episodes a week of talking stuff. And one of them might be a little longer. Another one might be a little more concise like this one we hope is going to be. But the truth is I talk so much that it's almost impossible to know when I'm going to shut up. So um, when you have three guys who love to hear the sound of their own voice and talk and talk and talk, it kind of, yeah, it leads to what we've had the first couple of times of hour long episodes. Yeah. So, so let's, uh, we're going to dive right in and, and in diving right in, Spencer, Zach, we're going to go dive right back to the last episode of Talking Stuff, where we spent an hour waxing poetic about the defensive line targets for Ohio State in class of 2022. And there's one we didn't really talk about at all and haven't talked about much in the last few months because Marvin Jones Jr., the country's number one ranked player, according to On3Sports.com, and a a four-star composite defensive lineman from American Heritage High School down in, in Fort Lauderdale area, didn't visit Ohio State this summer. He's like the one guy in the, the list of, of defensive linemen that Ohio State's offered that didn't visit. He has an official visit scheduled in September. And quite frankly, I just don't know if Ohio State sees him the way that the On3 Sports National uh, Recruiting Evaluators do. And I don't know that he's been a priority for Ohio State, but he does say in an article by Chad Simmons on On3Sports.com that Ohio State's one of those schools recruiting him the hardest. What do you make of that? Well, I'm wondering if it's one of those situations similar to Shamar Stewart, where they're, he's one of those guys sort of on the periphery that we don't really talk about talk about too much. Um, and I, I also wonder if it's a product of the fact that he didn't make those that official visit. And I know he's been saying for a long time he was coming uh, in September for the Oregon uh, the Oregon game for his official visit, and he's lined up five for for the fall. So I'm wondering if that's sort of why we maybe he's one we don't talk about as much because we had. All these other these other five six targets who were coming and camping and working out, so we didn't really get to see him, and maybe it's just kind of in the back of our mind. Yeah, I think Spencer. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I ahead, think man. I agree with that. It, he just he's a guy who you know simply plain and simple didn't visit in in June. In June, so how do you really break down a recruitment when you don't see a guy live? You don't see you know him. Uh, you don't want to say put forth the effort because not everybody can take those unofficial visits um, and, and afford them. So I don't know what his situation is there. I don't care to comment on it even, but sometimes guys just simply can't make unofficial visits and can't make the trip. Um, the most important thing is I think he's going to be on campus September 11th for the Oregon game, like you guys just said. So he, that's the big going to be the biggest recruiting weekend of the, of the calendar for Ohio state as far as the season goes. So it's still important. He's still an important piece of, 
of what could be a, a, an important piece of this class. Just not a guy that we were talking about in June because the simple fact was he just didn't visit. Yeah, he said in this article on On3 Sports that he's going into the season and he's down to these schools, Florida State, Alabama, Miami, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Ohio State, and Florida. I I know Ohio State's one of those visits he's making officially, but I think that's going to happen because, as you said, he has not visited unofficially, and he has unofficially visited all the other schools. Now, his father played at Florida State. His father played in the NFL. This is a, a recruitment that I think Ohio State is probably on the outside of that group of seven, really uh, on the order list. I'd put Ohio State probably five or six or seven there, but it's one of those situations where you just don't know what if you have an NFL father that – and you have NFL aspirations. We've seen this with like Troy Bowles, the linebacker from Florida with his dad, Todd Bowles, the NFL defense coordinator. We've seen it with a couple other young guys throughout the last year and a half. They come to Ohio State and you meet Larry Johnson and all of a sudden, or the other Ohio State coaches and, and your dad who may be like, hey, I want you to go to Florida State, follow my footsteps, all of a sudden goes, actually, you should probably play for Larry Johnson because he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And we do, yeah. We see these NFL legacies, and uh, he he's embedded so much in the South. And then he's also the last visit he's taking is uh, is to Florida State. And I wanted to catch your guys' thoughts on this because um, I know you you guys have talked about the fact that Ohio State kind of took a risk uh, having June Fourth being that their big official visits weekend, like right off the bat. I'm wondering if the the Ohio State Oregon game is it, it's already lining up. We we knew, but we knew that it was going to be the case where that was going to be the big official visit weekend of the fall because of the nature of how big the game is. Um, I'm wondering if that could play a similar situation as far as uh, the June 4th um, with, with, it, with the big official visit weekend being so early in the summer. I wonder if it's going to be similar, have a similar effect of that visit being so early in the fall or if it doesn't matter at all. I think it's all about getting guys on campus for big games. And unfortunately, the way the Ohio State schedule uh, works out this year. You have the Oregon game in the second week of the year, and then you have Penn State at the end of October. You don't have anything big game-wise really on the slate for November. And to be honest, if you're recruiting a kid from South Florida, the best time of the year to get him to Columbus is probably September. Uh, so you can get a chance to, to see a big name game, but also not be risked with uh, you know potential weather and, and inclement stuff that can make things worse. Um, but I mean, you know, this is a kid who's never visited Ohio state before that one visit. And this is where things have changed in the last few years, guys, like it used to be on the official visits were those big rah, 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 let's make a big move type of uh, visit. But Ryan Day talked about it pretty extensively at big 10 media days. These coaches don't particularly care for official visits coinciding with game days. And um, they don't really get a chance to, to spend as much time with the players as they'd like. And I think that we can look at this recruitment and say Marvin Jones Jr. is probably interested in figuring out what Ohio State's about, but I don't know that he's going to get the Buckeyes' best shot that weekend. Yeah, it's interesting because I remember um, – Spencer, you can go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, Zach. You guys are smarter um, than me when it comes to this. Well, I just remember last year – or uh, the 2019 season, sorry, um, when Ryan Day made it clear like two or three times throughout the week leading up to that game. Yeah, we've, we've sent notes to the players, to our recruits, like we're not going to have time uh, real, really to like – uh, put our full effort in in talking with them. Like, they know that. They made it very clear. And then, ironically, when I remember Mike Hall, for instance, uh, I think it was Mike Hall and Tegra uh, Shibola, uh, Mike Hall, or, uh, Ryan Day did make time for them and, like, actually was able to talk to them uh, for a couple minutes. Like, 
30 minutes before kickoff. So ironically, actually did wind up making an impact, but they do know, the recruits do know, at least going into these big games, that they're not going to get the full attention from the staff. Guys, and the bigger thing right there is guys who visit for these big games, they're they're visiting for those big games because they're the big prospects. And Ryan Day saying hi to them before kickoff might not have as big of an impact as watching Ohio State kick Oregon's ass on the field would in these recruitments. I mean, but that's just the, the simple matter of it, right? Like on the field results, there's a reason Ohio State's one of the top five recruiting programs in the country. It's because they're a top five program on the field. They, they play better than everyone else. Recruits want to play there. So like on the field matters more. I think Marvin Jones Jr. will be impressed by what he sees at Ohio State on September 11th. And it doesn't even matter if Ryan Day says hi to him on the sideline because during the game, he's going to be impressed with Jack Sawyer and JT Tuivaloal and Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison and Javante Jean-Baptiste and Pascal Gary and every defensive lineman they run out there who's sacking the Oregon quarterback. It's going to be just as impressive as if Ryan Day takes a couple minutes to say hi to him. Yeah, as a player, Marvin Jones Jr. is sort of in that same mold as Eni White to Yana Jackson, that six foot four, six five, kind of longer, lankier defensive end. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, if the Buckeyes are going to have enough time there with him or not. But I know one player that uh, time is running out is uh, with 2023 tight end uh, Theo Mellon Orstrom, uh, uh, Meline. I don't know how to pronounce it. I know it's, I'm just calling him Theo from Sweden. Um, and, Time is running out in the fact that it seems like, Zach, that he is about to reclassify to the class of 2022. And there is an Ohio State and Texas A&M battle for his commitment, and it's coming soon. Yeah, and first of all, I tried to look up the pronunciation of that of how he pronounces his last name, and I just gave up. It's like, ooh, Urstrom, whatever. So we're just going with Theo Mellon for now. Um, yeah, I talked to him over the weekend. I talked to Theo over the weekend, and he uh, – he made it clear that he's down to down to two schools. It's Ohio State, Texas A&M battle, which kind of surprised me. I thought if there was going to be two schools, it would be Ohio State versus LSU because um, he had some pretty strong connections with uh, with LSU. Uh, and the reclassification thing kind of came out a little bit out of nowhere uh, over the past couple of weeks, really. Um, well, but- I, I you know that I actually talked to him about that like two weeks ago. You and I mentioned you were talking about it a little bit uh, behind the scenes and. I just kind of brought it up to him half jokingly, like, hey, has anyone asked you to reclassify? And he's like, actually, yes, there's three schools pushing for it. I'm like, oh, crap, which are they? And he's like, oh, Ohio State, Texas A&M, Minnesota. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And then all of this sort of snowballed downhill from there. But, you know, we're hearing the same thing from Theo uh, from Sweden, as we're just going to call from here on out, uh, you know, that we're hearing about Ty Lockwood in the class of 2023, Zach and Spencer, like, Ohio State may have the best tight end in the country in Jeremy Ruckert, but these recruits still want to see the proof on the field that the Buckeyes are going to feature that position. I completely agree, and, and it makes sense, right? Like we, we kind of talked about it with offensive linemen and the tackles at Ohio State. Uh, these guys want to see the proof in the pudding of getting a first-round tackle to the NFL in a first-round first draft selection. These tight ends want to see Ohio State get the tight end involved. It's one thing to say – you know, you'll become a, you'll be developed into a complete player. Well, that's fine. But sixth round money is way different than, than second and third round money. And I think Ohio state needs to, I think Ohio state does understand that, but I also think the recruits know what they're doing here. It's not like you can go to Ohio state. What I'm trying to say is you can go to Ohio state and get developed, but at tight end at Ohio state, you're not going to get the recognition that you're going to get at Florida or at Texas A&M or these other schools where they just throw the ball there more often. And so 
if Ohio State gets Jeremy Ruckert more involved in the offense this year, I absolutely can see one of these top tier, very good, you know, tight ends commit to Ohio State and say, okay, I know that I can be a part of that and get the ball and get developed in every other aspect by Kevin Wilson. Until they show that, though, you kind of understand where the recruits are coming from on this one. And I just, I completely agree 100% because, I mean, they, they are, they have, I feel like they've, t- we've talked about this ad nauseum about whether they're going to get involved in the passing game more. And Ty Lockwood and, and Theo from Sweden are both very much pass catching, pass catching guys. I mean, that, that's, that is their strength. Um, I, I just think it's a mature approach from, from Ty to, he, he was nearing a decision. He, he felt like he was on the brink. And then he said, wait, let me take a step back. The vision that the vision that Ohio State has for their tight ends is um, is to be is to use them more in the passing game. And that should potentially that I mean, there's potential for that to happen with record this year. But they want, like you guys just both said, they want to see it actually proven on the field. And I, I think that's a smart uh, thing to take because you don't have to, especially for Ty Lockwood, if, when if, when he's in the 2023 class, there's no reason to rush into anything without seeing everything everything play out this fall. One guy I think could make a difference in the Ty Lockwood recruitment is G. Scott. Because if you look at the Ohio State tight ends, Jeremy Ruckert obviously is a good pass catcher. Cade Stover is a blocker who can catch the ball. Sam Hart has the potential to be a pass catcher. You think with his wrestling background, he's going to be a really good blocking tight end. You look at the guys that Ohio State has. Joe Royer is more of a pass catcher, so he could fall into this with, with G. Scott. G. Scott is a true receiving threat at tight end for Ohio State. He gives Ohio State something that Ohio State's never had at tight end. Somebody who can line up anywhere in the entire offense, no matter where he is, he's a threat. And if if in the next two years, G. Scott can emerge as a receiving option for Ohio State from a tight end or almost like a, a bigger H-back role, kind of like Jeremy Ruckert started to form into last year, I think that could turn the tide in the Ty Lockwood recruitment more than – Theo from Sweden because he might not have a chance to see it very much. But I yeah. think G. Scott can make a difference for, for future recruits at Ohio State. I think we're all pretty much in agreement that it seems like Theo from Sweden is heading to Texas A&M. And that, the Buckeyes have a couple of days, I think, to try to change his mind. We'll see how that plays out. They're not helped by the fact that he's potentially reclassifying. Uh, he is a player that, talking to some people around the Ohio State program, they think he's an NFL tight end and a kid that is going to have a really, really great college career. So when we're talking about him, it's not a, a not just willy-nilly. This is a kid that has become a very high priority for Ohio State very quickly, but more quickly than we thought. And I think at some point it's going to take one of these tight ends doing what Jeremy Rucker did in the class of 2018, and that's just trusting his instincts and trusting the Ohio State staff and taking a little bit of a leap of faith that there's going to have to be more to his game down the road than just learning how to catch passes or, or getting – receptions in college because the opportunity and this is what you know Buckeyes have done since Marcus Ball all these tight ends have made it to the NFL and they're they're not making it to the NFL simply based on how many catches they're getting they're getting there because they're well-rounded players and and that's what the Buckeyes are selling and you know you're talking about the Buckeyes selling people on the chance to get to the NFL and development and that's why they remain uh, at the top of the list for Richard Young who released his top 10 schools the other day and guys let's be honest this is not a top 10 list I mean this is Richard Young is is the number one ranked running back in the country, class of 2023. This is Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma, Florida, Florida State. This is maybe a six a six man race. Yeah, and Richard Young, he was he was he built up to the or he lived up to the hype when we saw him in in uh, in June. I mean, he was one of those physical freaks who just I mean, he was he impressed with basically everything that you would want from a running back when he when he went through Tony Alford's one on one workout. 
Um, I mean, I think the entire Ohio State beat there and like the, it seemed like the entire coaching staff was there um, to watch him. And uh, I know his workout came like a day or two after Trayon Webbs and we were talking about uh, two running back class with uh, with both of those with both of those guys in there. And then Trayon went to went to Oklahoma. Um, I'm wondering if that's still on the table for Oklahoma to even bring in a two running back class. Um, and I know I don't I'm not sure if Richard Young has his, his visit scheduled for the fall lined up, but I would imagine that some of those schools that you just mentioned, the Alabama's, Clemson's, uh, Ohio State, Georgia, that he's going to wind up trying to get up to uh, get up to those and potentially Ohio State for a second time. Yeah, I mean, well, he made it to Ohio State twice in the summer, so you wonder if, if he makes it to Ohio State for a game or not. The thing that happens with the football season is that the schedule changes, and you are at a game on Friday night until midnight. you got to get to Ohio State for all their big games by noon the next day. It becomes a challenge, and that's why it's so incumbent on Tony Alfred to keep that relationship going. And, uh, you know, we're already pushing 18 minutes here. I'm trying to make sure we're moving along for people. But the whole point of bringing up Richard Young is to let people know that he's realistic. And this is a realistic option for Ohio State. And, and as Zach is talking about that two-man recruiting class at running back, I think that Justice Haynes, who I wrote about on Letterman Row on Tuesday, is another one that people should really look at as maybe being that second guy or even, you know, the first guy if Richard Young ends up somewhere else uh, as part of that group. And I wanted to just quickly pivot from there, where we're talking realistic five-star players in Ohio State, to a couple five-star defensive backs that I don't think are realistic that people have asked about lately. So, Spencer, Damani Jackson, Will Johnson, five-star corners committed to USC and Michigan, respectively. We need, we need to, like, remove those guys right now from the conversation board, yes? I would think so. If Will Johnson wanted in the Ohio State class, Will Johnson would have been in the Ohio State class in the spring or even in the winter last year. I mean, let's be let's be real with ourselves. If, if Will Johnson was a priority for Ohio State, the priority for Ohio State defensive back and and had a chance to commit to Ohio State and didn't. And I think that that spoke volumes. And I think if you if you think Will Johnson can still be in this class, you're wrong. And and don't, yeah. I think Damani Jackson is, is in the same vein there. Damani Jackson, Ohio State you know, really liked early in the cycle, but, but I'm not even sure Domani Jackson's a cornerback. And so I think this, this entire thing becomes interesting because they're still recruiting these safeties. And I think Domani Jackson ended up playing safety anyways. Yeah. And I mean, we've talked about this with the 2022 uh, defensive back recruiting, how we kind of saw the the lighter side or the optimistic side of Jaheim Singletary and Deke Ming was a big deal, but the corners in 2023, they're, they're, they're top guys there. Um, uh, it, it allows Ohio State to maybe give a little, uh, have a little bit of advantage there. And I'm wondering if with, with A.J. Harris or Kay and Lee or Ethan Nation, I wonder if they, if they were to see um, Ohio State even entertaining a potential visit from Will Johnson or Demonte Jackson, if that would have a ne- negative effect there. Um, but I also don't think, I don't think it's also really real, that realistic for either of those guys, Demonte or Will, to visit at this point. Yeah, let's add a caveat here, a caveat, 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 caveat. Uh, if Michigan and USC both fire their head coaches this season or at the end of the year, things get wacky and you never know what happens. Ohio State is content with three cornerbacks in the class of 2022. There's a reason they took a fourth, and it's because they had a pretty good inclination that uh, Jaheim Singletary's commitment was on shaky ground. It looked like they're going to set with three. We're setting with three, the three of us, Spencer Holbrook, Zach Carpenter. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This has been Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Row. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.